This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to Through the Ringer. I'm your host, Tate Frazier, and joining us is a real one. You know him from the Real Ones podcast. He is the Ringer's very own Logan Murdoch. Logan, great to see you, man. Man, it's been a while. Thanks so much for having me, man. Last time we talked, it was that legendary Las was it Las Vegas that we were in person? Um, yes. And that was an iconic show. So let's 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 go three for three. Let's do it. Yeah. Let's go. You, myself, Tyler Parker. Uh, some would say we were on one there at Summer League. We were also losing our minds because Las Vegas, that's what it does to you. So we, we had some great times. We had some fun banter. And uh, let's try to do it again. We're going to talk about All-Star Weekend because that's going to be a lot of fun. But let's start with the news item of the day. The Brooklyn Nets have decided to relieve Jock Vaughn of his duties after two seasons there. He had the the bubble period as a head coach, goes back to an assistant coach, then gets the head coach a job, head, head coaching job again, which is a very strange kind of path there in Brooklyn. But they decide to move forward after a blowout uh, against the Boston Celtics. What were your thoughts when you saw the news this morning? I wasn't really surprised. I, if, there was, if there was anything I was surprised about was more of the timing that it happened. If you knew Jack right. Vaughn wasn't your guy, I'd probably just get rid of him uh, last summer and then go with a new coach if he wasn't your guy. It seemed like he was a bridge guy until the next generation of uh, Brooklyn Nets basketball after Steve Nash, uh, uh, after Steve Nash's demise. And then um, mm-hmm. you would think that Jack Vaughn would, after the Kevin Durant and Kyrie leave, he would, you know, probably get him through the rest of the season and you Brooklyn would try to find a new coach. And now it just seems like something that's too late. Now you, the tricky part about firing a coach mid season is it's pretty much a lame duck season. You're not really building towards anything. You you don't really have a structure. And so it's going to be, uh, it's going to be, I don't know, interesting vibes in Brooklyn, but it was already a boring product to watch. That was probably the last Brooklyn Nets, uh, headline we get all season, I think. I mean, there's not really much to discuss other than uh, there's no one cares about the Brooklyn Nets. But <laughs> uh, with Zach Vaughn, it didn't really seem like it was uh, that bit of a surprise other than the fact that the timing um, of it and that they gave him a half a season to figure it out. That was the biggest surprise on my end. Yeah, it does feel like you said he was kind of uh, the middle child of two different regimes. He goes from like the the super t- superstar team, right, with KD and James Harden and Kyrie, that whole group, and then he tries to bridge it with Mikel Bridges. Um, I feel like the biggest story now out of Brooklyn is the New York Knicks guys, the Villanova guys trying to recruit Mikel Bridges to the New yeah. York Knicks across the bridge. That's like the one thing we're talking about. But let's talk about fit for this current iteration of the Nets because they do have some players that are fun and interesting. My guy Dennis Smith Jr. getting a nice second, you know, uh, you know, running his career there in Brooklyn. Um, is there a coach out there that you think does fit with Bridges and Cam Johnson and this kind of core group that they do have? Um, it's going to be interesting. I, I'm not. I don't have a coach just in mind just yet. I think that the biggest thing that they they need to figure out is 
as a Brooklyn Nets as a as a, as a whole uh, entity, they got to figure out if they're what's if they're going to go the star route or are they going to continue to build and build and build through the draft and if they, what they're going to end up doing with Mikael Bridges because he is a guy that you know while he might be an overachieving role player and could make you think that he is a star at some point, he kind of has hit his ceiling and you see that with the Brooklyn Nets this season. If they could figure out what to do with him, I think they'll be in in, in good shape. Yeah, it's going to be a, a conversation, I feel like, in the summer. Like you said, I don't know how many more headlines we're going to get out there in Brooklyn. But uh, shout out to the Nets. We're keeping an eye on you. We will definitely be talking about them as we figure out the future. Let's talk about All-Star Weekend because that has been um, a conversation point for a lot of people. Before we got on the air, you and I were talking about the old guard of journalists in the NBA. Uh, they had some thoughts on this All-Star game. They were not happy about the competitive intensity. But uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later. Let's just talk about the overall weekend in Indianapolis. Does Indianapolis kind of fit the all-star identity? And what was your takeaway kind of watching all these events happening? I saw a lot of people upset about the weather. Yeah, well, one, upset about the weather. We need to have an all-star game on the, <laughs> on the West Coast. And that's the reason why we're going to have right. the next two on the West Coast. Because it just has, the, just even over the last few years, when you have been in cold weather cities, the energy has just been kind of off, right? I even think about last year in Salt Lake City. It was, wasn't was a place necessarily that people wanted to be <laughs> at that time of year. Um, but overall, uh, I think this was a, a this is really a uh, shows that the All Star I think is going a bit through a bit of some growing pains, right? Where you see where where they're going into, and I know we'll talk about this later. But the, what they're trying to get to, where the uh, the NBA is trying to get to, I think they took a bit of a step back, right? Where this is a time when the NBA is trying to figure out what it's going to be from a TV perspective and trying mm-hmm. to get the next television deal. And when you have a lot of hiccups, uh, when you talk about the young generation, Anthony Edwards saying, I really don't really care too much about the competitive <laughs> side of this, of this, uh, of this weekend. Also shooting left-handed and in, uh, in the skills competition, uh, there's an overall air in the air that players don't care. And then you have um, even the the crown jewel moment of the of the uh, weekend in Steph versus Sabrina get tainted by Kenny Smith and his <laughs> comments, right? Where right. the NBA is trying to market its league into the next generation, and uh, you don't really you see that they kind of fumbled the ball on that. What the world was watching, and um, in a time where you know the NFL is doing a great job in marketing its sport, and you see other uh, leagues doing better jobs at the NBA marketing its sport. I think we're going to look at this All Star Weekend as a um, as as one of the, as the opposite of that, as kind of having pie in its face in the big on their biggest stage of the year so far. Yeah, it kind of seems like an eye roll. I talked to one NBA player who could have been at All-Star Weekend just based on his performance this season. He ended up not being an All-Star, and he was relieved about that. And I think that kind of says, um, you know, where we stand with this, where guys are like, I'm happy to have a break. Uh, you know, I'm happy yeah. I don't have to go there and do all these corporate, uh, you know, kind of signings and, and appearances and then also have to do like the skills challenge and go to the celeb game. There's a lot of appearances that happen. You kind of have to keep up an air about your persona when you really just want a break during the you know yeah. the, this part of the season so that's the other part of this um what do we think about the led court because I, I do like that the nba is always trying to innovate and i think that you know the innovation is always kind of you know eye-popping it can get exciting but then on the flip side of that you have um you know the people that are a little bit apathetic about the reality of the events that are going on did you like that they're trying to innovate it in some sense I do like that they're trying to. I, I do like that from Adam Silver overall, right? Where we talk mm-hmm. about the in-season tournament, we talk about the LED courts. He's trying to push the game forward. But 
I think on the other end, man, there was a lot of lot of uh, times where I was looking at the All Star Weekend uh, activities, and I'd just be like, "Let's just have some old fashioned basketball." You know, <laughs> right. we're in a, we're in Hoosier Town. Let's just mm-hmm. we don't need all these gimmicks. We just want to roll out the balls and play. And I think that um, over the last few years, and let's be honest, the All Star Weekend has always been a big commercial for the league and its po- and its partners. But it seemed like there was more basketball involved in in in, in previous years and some of the best years, right? Um, and I think we need to get back to that as a, in the NBA. And I don't know if we're going to get back to that in the next two years um, where uh, the NBA is going to try to be selling itself in Los Angeles and in the Bay Area. And I know we'll get to that in a second. But I kind of want more basketball with my All-Star game now and my All-Star weekend. And I don't think we're getting that right now. Yeah, Larry Bird basically pleaded uh, for some more basketball. And he's obviously, you know, the face when it comes to Indiana basketball and the state of Indiana and how they view basketball in general. I even told Mac McClung uh, before he went to the dunk contest that maybe he opens it up with a nice fundamental layup. You know what I mean? To get those Indiana (laughs) fans locked in. Uh, Let's talk about the dunk contest because that was a big point of contention. Uh, Stephen A. Smith went on first take this morning. He blamed LeBron James for the uh, for the for the failing of the dunk contest. So that is where we're at right now. Logan, uh, what say you? How do we fix the dunk contest if we can fix it? Or are we too far gone? I think we need to have the same way that we we uh, we fix All Star Weekend is how we fix the dunk contest, and mm-hmm. that is player participation, right? Where you have the league's best players actually participating in the league's marquee events, and specifically in the dunk contest. Like you don't want a G Leaguer winning your dunk contest every year you don't even want that participating (laughs) you want Jalen Brown going up against Zion Williamson going up against Anthony Edwards going up against uh some of the biggest high flyers in the league and we're just not having that right now and to your point um about players not really wanting to go to all-star weekend I'll be the first to tell you I understand it is busy it is a lot (laughs) going on it is tiring and then you're going to go you're doing this all before you're going into the playoff stretch run it is tiring but what you need to the league needs to have is more player participation and they just haven't had that. And when the players do participate, you see things like what Anthony Edwards did throwing up left hand three pointers and to the chagrin of <laughs> Reggie Miller, who was just absolutely pissed off the whole night. It was, uh, it was, we, we need more of that. And I, I hope we get that in the next few years. Um, and so we'll see what happens. Yeah, it does feel like the three point contest has kind of taken, you know, over the whatever the uh, the hype of the dunk contest is now the three point contest. Dame Lillard wins the three point contest, gets the Dame time moment. Everybody uh, was, you know, excited about that. But then the real show, uh, like you mentioned before, was Steph taking on Sabrina. Um, This was where everybody I think this is what they got right. Right. It it feels like we're going to run this back in some capacity. Um, Just before we get to the commentary part of it, what did you enjoy about seeing Sabrina go up against Steph? Well, I love the 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 bigger overall thing is the uh, integration of the WNBA into the NBA, right? As right. a whole, now it's happened in previous seasons and previous decades, but I think that the NBA is doing a really good job of including uh, the W in a lot of its events. And you have two of the biggest stars on both leagues cup going up against each other. And I'm just going to say, I do think there's an opportunity for a rematch in the Bay Area. It's too good to be true for mm-hmm. Steph in his home court. Um, with against Sabrina in her home region. I think that that's a, a shoe in uh, to grow the game for both the NBA and the WNBA. So I think it was a really good job by the two leagues uh, and a great idea for both of those players to uh, participate and uh, play against each other. And it was great that Sabrina had a great showing, right? She makes mm-hmm. Steph sweat right. um, during her, during her, 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 uh, d- during her participation. So I think that 
you know, they did a, that was a great job. If they can build more activations between the NBA and the WNBA, I think we'll 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 all be better for it. Yeah, Dame Lillard had 26. That's exactly what Sabrina put up. And you could see it in Steph's face. He kind of had this moment of like, oh, I got to lock in. Like, I got to make sure I handle my business here. So that was great. Um, And then on the back end, like you said, we had Kenny Smith, Reggie Miller. They were basically arguing uh, about, you know, the if she should have shot with the WNBA ball, if she should have shot from the NBA line versus the WNBA line. Um, Talked about this story, you know, back in middle school, Sabrina was told that she should just play with dolls instead of be a shooter. But it wasn't framed in the way that it was a story to sound like Kenny was talking about her going to play with dolls. I mean, how much did that kind of take away from the enthusiasm of that moment? Or are we all kind of blowing it a little bit out of proportion? No, it it took away from the moment for sure. And I think it was a really missed opportunity from the NBA and Turner Sports of not having Candace Parker a part of the the festivities, right? You have to have someone who who knows the game talk about the game that they know. And I think the NBA missed the ball on that. And also just the general misogyny that we have uh, when we talk about women in, in, in the WNBA. We just saw that go come to bear once again. And it was really disappointing to see that out of Kenny Smith. Um, it was really disappointing to see that out of the, out of the NBA um, at, in a moment where it should have been uplifting another sport. I think that, you know, with our uh, you know, like I said, misogyny, just in overall immaturity when we talk about women's sports really showed on the on the NBA's biggest stage and that wasn't good uh, especially considering the fact that the WNBA is growing you know there's going to be another team in the bay area there's going to be the first team in the bay area there are going to be a lot of eyes on the W and when you have an opportunity to push that sport uh you can't have these mistakes you have to have representation you have to have you know the Candace Parkers of the world the Sue Birds of the world the WNBA legends of the world speak mm-hmm. on um, a, a a growing WNBA legend in Sabrina, and you know that that was really a missed opportunity, a really unfortunate moment uh, during that time when Kenny Smith made those comments. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about Logan's story about the Golden State Warriors and why this is not the end of the Warriors dynasty. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Welcome back to Through the Ringer. We're here with Logan Murdoch. And Logan, um, when we need information on the Golden State Warriors, we go to one man here at the Ringer, and that is you. And you wrote a great piece about this team, basically about the connectiveness of this group, this core group that we've seen uh, with Draymond, with Clay, with Steph, and Steve Kerr. Um, why is this not the end, and why are they kind of doubling down on who they are as a core group right now? 
Because every time they find themselves in a jam to go to State Warriors, they always turn to these four guys, mm-hmm. Steph, Steve, Clay, and Draymond, right? And there was a quote in the beginning of the story where it was interesting that Steph said it, um, where he goes, yeah, we've always tried to just have people build around our core, and we just add people to our core. If there's a Kevin Durant, why not? You know, if, if we want to go get LeBron, why not? But he's going to have to play with us three guys and be coached by Steve Kerr. I think that their relationship transcends just um, the basketball relationship. They want to ride off into the sunset. And I think that it's more important for them to win a championship together than win a championship. Maybe just Steph wins his last one, right? Or maybe, or, or break it apart as a whole. They want to ride out into the sunset together, come hell or high water. Yeah, and it does feel like Steph, no matter what is going on with Draymond, right? There's a lot of, oh, as we know, there's been a lot of, um, you know, vitriol that has gone his way. There's been a lot of conversations about Draymond and his actions on the court. But in in his corner always has been Stephen Curry. And he's always kind of been the one that has been there and said, hey, Draymond's our guy. We're going to make it work. And the team itself, I, I thought it was very fascinating. Looney talked about this in your piece. But the team never had any issues with Draymond, right? They just were excited when he got back into practice and kind of brought that intensity back to the team so are we kind of just seeing that ripple you know that ripple effect at this point where now Draymond's back in the fold he he's going to be there every single time they know he's going to be there consistently and now they're playing with that kind of swagger and confidence that Draymond has always exuded with this group yeah specifically with this team because you know what they what the rest of the team saw when Draymond showed Rudy Gobert was oh he was just defending us he was defending Clay Thompson you know, and then he has he got suspended. He'll go take care of himself and he'll come back into the fold. But he is our leader. And you've seen that you know throughout this season. Right. Kaminga talks about how uh, Draymond is always uh, telling him to, you know, just go to the cup. You, no one can stop you at the rim. Right. Or when Brandon, uh, Brandon Przybski misses a three pointer, which was a very bad three pointer against the Lakers uh, earlier <laughs> right. this year. Uh, he tells him, no, keep shooting that. We want you to keep shooting. And he gives these young guys confidence when he's on the floor. And, you know, from a defensive perspective, he calls out all the sets. Um, from an offensive perspective, he uh, he is the offense. I know Steph Curry, you know, is the system. But the heartbeat of that system is Draymond Green, getting guys yeah. in the right position, passing to the right guys, you know, and making sure that offense flows. So he has been so important to this uh, this Golden State Warriors team, and specifically this season. Um, when you when you see him out of the lineup, the numbers suggest that this is not a really, really good team. And when he is in the lineup, they're a solid bunch. And we'll see how that goes for the rest of the season. But no matter uh, for the foreseeable future, Draymond is going to be a part of that group. And that group is going to consist of Steph, Draymond, Clay Thompson and Steve Kerr. Well, there was a guy in that group that a lot of people thought that they may move at the deadline potentially, and that was a guy part of the core group, and that's Clay Thompson. And now he is trying to figure out what his new role is on this team. We saw him come off the bench and have 35 points, and that seemed to be a a bit of a message. But when you talk to him, some of the quotes in there, you can just tell that it is sort of wearing on him a little bit, and he's trying to get his confidence back. Where is Clay right now? And, And do we think that we can see kind of Clay get back to some variation of the version that we've seen before? Well, you're seeing the evolution of Clay Thompson in real time, right? Mm-hmm. When after the, uh, you know, when he gets benched in Brooklyn, um, you see how candid he is in the post game media session, and you know how much he just wants to just figure this out in real time. And me and Roger talk about this all the time. Usually, it's the NBA player is the last one to know when his skills are eroding, and Clay mm-hmm. is starting to figure out how his skills are eroding and how he can adjust those eroding skills into a positive. 
um, atmosphere for the, for the Warriors, right? Like he he doesn't have to be the guy that scores sixty points, but he can be the guy that scores fifteen in an efficient way off the bench in twenty minutes, right? He can still shoot. Shooting is usually the last thing to go for an NBA player. And if he stops um, just thinking so much and thinking so hard, I think that he's going to be in a good place. But it's hard for these athletes at this age where they've seen so much success as a Clay Thompson has seen and then to have to you know, take back their role and, and pivot into a, into a new context. And that's something that we're seeing with Clay in real time. And he's trying to figure it out and he's trying to uh, do what he can. But if he can play like how he did against Utah and you know the Warriors can – put some more pieces around him. Maybe he takes less money this summer. Um, it could be something for, for the Warriors. I'm pretty dubious of the fact that they could win another title. I don't think that that's in the cards right now. I just think this this team has just kind of gotten every bit of, out of this roster. But, you know, we'll see. And the, one of the first steps uh, to try to see if they can improve is Klay Thompson taking a lesser role. Yeah, and one of those guys is going to take a bigger role, and there was some frustration. Um, one of the things that I love about Steve Kerr is that he's very comfortable in confrontation, um, and I think to yeah. be a champion, you have to be comfortable in confrontation. There was a lot of confrontation about Jonathan Kaminga's role. Um, there was stuff put out to the media. Steve Kerr calls him into his office. They have a, a meeting one-on-one. They talk about the issues. They talk about the expectations, and ever since then, Jonathan Kaminga has kind of been the player that you know the Warriors wanted him to be, right? Getting to the basket, getting easy buckets, um, being able to play next to Andrew Wiggins, not just, you know, behind Andrew Wiggins. So um, there is some excitement about Kaminga. Is he really the one that can get this team to to potentially be a special type group because of his talent alone? Uh, Joe Lacob certainly thinks so, which is the mm-hmm. executive chairman of the Warriors. That's a big <laughs> that reason matters. why. That's a big reason why Kaminga hasn't left. Now, the biggest thing that Kaminga needs to get through is consistency. You know, there's mm-hmm. the thing that that the Warriors Warriors coaching staff complains a lot about is can he do the little things? Can he box out? Can he go to the cup? Can he uh, not settle for jump shots? Those are the biggest things that'll keep him on the floor. The little things. Everybody knows that he can um, that he can dunk. That he's super athletic. That he has defensive potential. But he has to continue to show that on on a regular basis. And um, if he could do that, and he can be that twenty point per game scorer and kind of supplement Wiggins, not only does it give the Warriors flexibility and potentially moving Wiggins in a bigger deal, it also solidifies Kaminga's role on this group for years to come. Yeah, I think uh, he is the one that really is the X factor for this group. Let's talk about a story that leaked uh, right after the trade deadline. And uh, our boss, Bill Simmons, was he thought it was genius that the Lakers, in his opinion, put this story out there that LeBron, the Warriors had interest. Joe Lacob in particular had interest in bringing LeBron up to the Bay to join Steph Curry. Um, What did what was your read on that situation? How close was it to being real? And would LeBron fit in with this Warriors group, in your opinion? Uh, let's, 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 let's go through that. Um, I think that one, I don't think it was ever going to happen. I think that's mm-hmm. a, that's a rumor that continues to go up LeBron coming to the Warriors. And I know Joe Lake of, um, he is going to swing for the fences at every single turn and, um, he can't Light help years himself. ahead. Yeah. If he's, he he's, sees <laughs> that there's a generational talent out there, he's going to try to get it. If he hears that LeBron is is maybe could happen. Now, I do think that Draymond was blowing up a little bit of smoke because there's no way there's no way that LeBron is going to leave Los Angeles. There's no way that he is going to play second fiddle to Steph, no matter how great that would be. There's no way that he would win a title knowing that Steph got him a ring or even even the thought that Steph would get him a ring. That's that was never going to happen. What was what is key, though, is knowing that Joe Lacob 
will press the button at any time if need be and, and blow up his roster to get the Giannis, to get the Durants, to get the LeBrons. He mm-hmm. will do that at any turn. And that's going to be interesting to see, you know, once Steph leaves, because as long as Joe Lacob is going, is, is, is the owner of the Golden State Warriors, he will be swinging for the fences. So, I mean, if Luca's on the table in eight, nine years or something like that, right? Or maybe Shea Gil- Gilgis Alexander is there. If Wimby is there out yeah. there in 10 years, Joe Lacob is going to go try to get them. <laughs> and this is just, this is how he's always been. And this is how he's always going to be. So you're, there's always going to be these types of leaks of him trying to uh, extract another superstar from another team. That's just in his DNA. He wants to win and he wants titles. His, it's interesting because um, Joe Lacob's, uh, his idol is Jerry Buss. And mm. he wants to have a Jerry Buss-like uh, effect on the league when it's all said and done. And he wants the Warriors to be mentioned in the same name as the Lakers and as the Cowboys and the Yankees. And how do you do that? You stockpile on stars. So Joe mm. Lacob is going to continue to do that uh, for years to come. Well, the biggest star in the game is LeBron James, and he said at All-Star Weekend that he has, quote, not that many seasons left. And then he said he's 50-50 on doing a farewell tour or leaving the game like like Tim Duncan. Um, I think everybody got a little bit of a chuckle out of that. But uh, <laughs> what are your thoughts uh, on LeBron? Like, how many more years do we think we have left of LeBron? And uh, are you prepared for the, the full year-long farewell tour of LeBron James? I think we have. You know, I don't, I don't know how many years that we have because it feels like every – after every single season, there's the thought of, is it just one more? Like, is mm-hmm. next year going to be like LeBron's year? I, I just don't know. Only LeBron knows that. Well, I will say, though, is there's no way in hell he's not going to do a farewell tour. He's <laughs> right. LeBron James. He's <laughs> yes. the guy that's going to be a it's going to be a six month commercial. Yes. For, for LeBron. And, you know, he's going to have the, he has a document. Everybody knows right now he has like a last dance documentary that he's kind of doing or that he's getting footage for at this point. You mean to tell me that he's not going to that's not going to be ratings gold for him if you don't just if he doesn't announce the last season and make it all about him? Like, that's just what he does. He has to be in the zeitgeist of NBA, of the NBA lore. Like, he has to be in that. So I, I know that there's going to be a farewell tour. I don't know how many more years left, though. I think that's why. And I know you do this, Tate. Every time he's in my city, I got to go see him, you know, yeah, because right. he's one of those guys. He's he, you never know how many more times that you're going to see that guy. Um, and I think that um, it's going to be it's going to be sad when he goes. It's going to be it's going to be weird because I think me and you, Tate, we're about the same age. I think we were mm-hmm. in grade school when he came into the league. And now yeah, we're exactly. like, 10 years old. Yeah, cur- right. Yeah. Now we're curmudgeon adults. Right. And <laughs> so, like, that's the impact that he has had. It's going to be it's going to be sad when he dips. But um, it's going to happen, and I'd say, you know, the best part, I think, like, if if he's going to do it for theater and if he wanted to just double down on the Lakers, i say two years because mm. it, that's what the Lake. this is – there's going to be – there's a multi-pronged way of doing this, right? He Last year in L.A., when the All-Star game is in L.A., and he gets to show up the Clippers and be like, huh, huh, huh. I know this. This is gonna be. This is this is your little your little thing in Inglewood. But this is the Lakers town, and mm-hmm. I'm. This is my last year, and I'm gonna make them celebrate me and your building. Right, be poetic. That, 
I that think that's when he should do it. Yeah, I, Logan, I think that's a great point. LeBron in L.A., the Clippers fans uh, are going to be upset about that, but I think that's exactly the stage that he wants, and LeBron loves the stage, so I, I think that's going to be great. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about the Ringers' top 100 player rankings, which is always a topic of conversation, and we're going to look at some MVP odds, rookie of the year odds, six man of the year, all that fun stuff. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things but at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side-by-side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. Welcome back to Through the Ringer here with Logan Murdoch. And Logan, uh, this is something that the Ringer is known for, the top 100 players in the NBA. We update the rankings. It is an aggregate. I like to remind people of this because they get up in arms. And a lot of times when you have a lot of uh, you know people that have their own subjective views on basketball, you put in your votes, it gets aggregated, and this is how it comes out. But um, asking you about your top 100 players, let's start with number one because I feel like this is still a topic of conversation. Everybody's kind of got their number one guy. In your opinion, who's the number one guy right now in the NBA? Is it Nikola Jokic? Because it does feel like that is the prevailing narrative at this point. No, it's Nikola Jokic. It is what it is, right? And I feel like the Nuggets, because the Nuggets are the new Spurs and everybody thinks they're boring, people don't really (laughs) pay attention to them as much as they should. And just like Tim Duncan, Nikola Jokic is just doing his thing. 26 a game, 12 12 rebounds, 9 assists. Like, he's going to get another MVP. He's just stacking it up. And what I love about Jokic, man, is he is the everyman, right? Mm. He makes me feel that I can be an MVP in my heart. You know? When I'm on the (laughs) intramurals, right, and I can't jump, but, like, this much off of the ground. And I just think, like, yo, Jokic can't do it either. He can't jump that high. (laughs) But he's averaging 26, 12, and 9. I can do that. That's what Mm. I love about him. You see that? There we go. Yeah, thumbs up. Uh, He's just like us. He's just one of us. Uh, Shout out to Jokic and Luka Doncic this weekend at All-Star Weekend. They were both uh, doing their best to be the everyman. Uh, You know, Luka got stuffed on a dunk. Then he goes in at halftime and he's responding to people on Twitter. I mean, just like all the rest of us would. So uh, shout out to Luka. Shout out to Jokic. Do you respond Uh, to people on Twitter? If like people knew that you was hooping outside in in LA Fitness, would you respond to them on Twitter like mid-game, right? Like if you had to go take a water break, would you go respond to them like say... forget you or F off or something like that? Would you do that? (laughs) If it fires you up, you know what I mean? I think it's all about how you are mentally built. You know what I mean? Like if something like reading some harsh commentary might take you out of your game, obviously avoid it at all costs. You know, that's the zero dark 30. Like if Jomi like hits you, if Jomi hits you during (laughs) a game on Twitter, are you responding to him or not? I think I'm responding to him. I'm way too online. I'm way too on my phone. You know what I mean? So I'm I'm probably responding to Jomi and maybe it'll fire me up. Plus, 
typically, you know, the best reaction is I laugh at everything, Logan. I don't know if you know this, but, uh, you know, when people are saying, you know, harsh things, I think it's funny, but that's, that's just, you know, <laughs> that's just what it is. I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but let's look at the rankings. Cause a lot of people have some thoughts on this. Uh, Steph Curry at number five, do we think that's too low for Steph? Um, you know, I, I could see the argument one way or the other, but I do obviously think Steph's a top five player in the league. He's a top five player in the league, but I think this is right where he should be, right? Like, okay. his team is just a game above 500. He has been injured. He's also had some stretches where he hasn't shot the ball well, like when Draymond Green wasn't on the floor. Yeah, Steph's is right there at number five. Uh, he's right. He shouldn't be an all-star starter this season, and he shouldn't be higher than number five at this point in the season. Like, he's he's put up his numbers 28 off 42% uh, from the three-point line, but, like, his team isn't great, so... Sorry, Steph. I mean, not really sorry because you need to, y'all team need to do better. Um, let's look at some of the odds here. I know that you're a betting man, Logan. Uh, you know, <laughs> this is it. this is what you do. Uh, let's look at the MVP odds uh, right now. Jokic is the favorite at minus one forty. SGA second best odds plus two ten. Giannis plus eight fifty. Um, and then we get into Luca, Jason Tatum, Kawhi Leonard. But it's really a three man race uh, at this point. Is there anyone? Do you think Jokic is the foregone conclusion? Or do you think Shea can make a case here? And uh, you would you take. I think plus two ten. Yeah, please. Yo, man, I think I might. If I wanted odds, like good odds, I would take Luca. You know why? Mm, I like the, I like the trades. I like the trades that the uh, the Mavericks made um, in the in the uh, over the trade deadline with getting Gafford there, and they could go on a run to end the season. And if you get those, if you have a like Luca getting the ball at all times, I'm gonna take. I could take Luca with those odds now as a betting man. That looks good. It looks good. As a, as a betting man that I am, and You're, all the things that I know about gambling, I think I'll take Luka. Yeah, I like that. Plus 1,100, uh, Luka Doncic. I think that's a great right? bet that there. That makes sense, right? You it know, does make you sense. Know, you, you, right? Is that better? Is that hey, good? You tell me. You tell me, Tate. Is that good or not? We're on FanDuel TV, and that's great. And uh, I think people okay. like when they have high value there. And Luka Doncic, like you said, he's going to have the ball in his hands, so he's going to be able to dictate the terms when he's playing these games. So I think that's a good one. Let's look at Rookie of the Year. Uh, Victor Wibanyama, the heavy favorite at this point, minus 600. Then Chet Holmgren, plus 500. Then you get Brandon Miller, plus 1,500, uh, or plus 15,000. My God, it's even crazier than I thought. Jame Hawkes. And Brandon Pajimski out there um, with the Warriors. Victor Wimanyama, he is the rookie of the year, right? We don't see any world in which Czech can make a run. No, nah, I think the 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 MVP, just like rookie of the year, it's all about narrative, right? Mm-hmm. And who has the best narrative uh, going into the backstretch of the season? And Victor Wimanyama has had the narrative since he stepped on to the floor in Vegas over the summer, right? Like, we talked about him, me, you, and Tyler Parker. We need to have part two next year. But yes. ever since then, Victor Wimanyama has been the one. Um, he has, you know, he's had a little, the games where, you know, if they're historic young games right now. I know the Spurs haven't been good, but he, he's like flirting with almost a quadruple double, right? He's having the, the triple double games. He he went toe to toe with Durant earlier in the season and won, right? Like he's had those things, right? I think Victor Wimanyama minus 600. It feels like it's inevitable at That's this fair. point. It's fair. fair. You know what I mean? It's It's fair. fair. Let's look at most improved uh, because I think that's a fascinating race as well. Tyrese Maxey is the favorite at minus 200. Kobe White there at plus 410. Singoon plus 750. Kaminga plus 850. Kaminga's kind of getting his odds closer and closer. Those are the top four guys. Um, Is it worth taking a a swing on Kaminga? Because he's a guy that looks better and better. I was thinking about taking a swing on Kaminga, man. Right. there's gonna be the Warriors are gonna try to uh, make a run going into the back stretch. Kaminga's gonna be a big part of that. Um, if you he's he's had some great games. He's had some great games. You know, I know Maxi is the guy. Also, you can make the argument 
Maxi trending downward because the Sixers are trending downward. Like I saw him a couple mm. weeks ago, and I was like, he didn't play. He didn't play that great of a game the last time I saw him in person. So for those reasons, I think you can. You know, you got to action. You know who I do love though. I love Sangoon. I mm. love watching him play. I Me love too. the utter not giving a f what's going on. <laughs> about your team or not caring who I'm playing against, I'm going to dunk on your favorite player, right? Like, yeah. when I saw him see LeBron on a switch and said, no, nah, clear out, I got this, <laughs> and then dunk on him? What? Yeah. Did I just talk myself into Sangoon? I like Sangoon. I, I, I think Kaminga, okay. Sangoon, uh, those, those, have some, those are guys with great value right now, and I think you're right. Kaminga, I mean, Tyrese... Sangoon, White would be a great law firm. I would want <laughs> yeah. them to represent me. Yeah, I think that they, yeah, Young Thug should call those guys. I, I think they put it together. That would be great. <laughs> wow, uh, Tate. Wow. <laughs> hey, it sounds like a great <laughs> law firm. Yeah. Uh, six man odds. Uh, we got Malik Monk out in Sacramento as the favorite, minus 115. Tim Hardaway, plus 180, nipping at his heels a little bit. But then you got Norm Powell, plus 9. 950 Karis Levert plus 1900 um, six man of the year. Do you feel like it's Malik Monks, Monks to lose at this point? Or do you like taking a swing on someone like Norm Powell? Cause uh, obviously he is climbing as well. I love Malik. Monk. I love mm, the way too. The, the city of Sacramento reacts to uh, Malik Monk corner threes. That's <laughs> one of my all time favorite pastimes to watch in person. Um, I'm going to go, you know, I think I get some good action on, on Powell though. Let's go with Powell. You try yeah. to win some money, scare money don't make money and you have to break bread or fake dead. So I'm going to go with Norman Powell. I like Norman. I think that's the best value. I think that's great value. And also, uh, I want to shout out Russell Westbrook because I feel like he should be in these odds because I like Russell Westbrook coming off the bench. And uh, that was a big move that he made this year. And a lot of people, I mean, we've talked about it, but I think he should be in the six man of the year conversation. Last one, coach of the year, um, you know, Thunder, Timberwolves, obviously, are, are the talk of the town. But J.B. Bickerstaff here at plus 410, third best odds, or Ty Lu at plus 650. Ty Lu obviously had to piece a lot together with James Harden coming in at the start of the year. Um, is it worth taking a swing at someone like Ty Lu there? Uh, with what he's been able to do with the Clippers. Absolutely. I think Ty Lue is the, is, is the best value on this. It's so funny, the odds on Joe Mazzulla just standing out there. I don't even think anyone <laughs> believes that. You know, I don't even think anyone do. Plus you know 2,300, yeah. That is enticing, though. I'm not going to lie. That is kind of <laughs> enticing. I'm going to go I with mean, Ty Lue, but you could, you could talk me into Joe Mazzulla and just giving away money to charity. I yeah, I mean, the, the Celtics obviously running away with the Eastern Conference, so he definitely has a conversation uh, to be had. Rick Carlisle also there at plus 1,500. A lot of people like what they're seeing with the Indiana Pacers, but let's go with the value there. Uh, let's go with Joe Mazzula. Oh, you want to go with Ty Joe Mazzula? Right. I, I, I mean, uh, yeah, maybe that's a stretch. I, there's no way that Mazzula's winning this. There's no <laughs> <Okay>. way. <laughs> yes. I would just be giving my money away if I did with Joe Mazzula, but it is enticing, but it yes. is enticing. It is enticing. Let's mark it as enticing, and then let's go with the logical pick there of Ty Lue. Uh, We're going to take a quick break when we come back. We're going to talk a little March Madness. Uh, We'll do our best uh, to try to get up to speed what's happening in college basketball, and uh, we'll talk a little Caitlin Clark. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com, Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more.
Welcome back to Through the Ringer. We're here with Logan Murdoch, and uh, we're having a lot of fun here. We're talking value, uh, and and one of the most valuable players in all of basketball, no matter uh, if we're talking about overseas, if we're talking about men's college basketball, women's college basketball, your local YMCA, the conversation is Caitlin Clark, and uh, I know that she has caught your attention as she's done with so many people that love the game of basketball, but just what have you, how many times have you watched Caitlin Clark, and how much has she kind of come across your way where you're like, man, I, I just can't deny how great she is she is amazing you know when mm-hmm. you see her i think i saw a few years ago um against uh, Paige buckets and right that was one of the all-time games right where you see uh women's college basketball kind of have a bit more of a resurgence you saw that you know with uh with don staley a few years ago with uh, south carolina but we're kind of getting we're kind of getting to another level of uh, resurgence with college uh, women's basketball, similar to the late nineties when you had uh, Rebecca Lobo and you had Sue Bird and you had that, uh, that, that, that initial late nineties push. And you're starting to see that with Kaylin Clark. She has, she, she's in the zeitgeist. If you, when is the last time that you have seen um, a woman be the talk of college basketball? Like not yeah. even just men and women's, right? We don't even talk about men's. You're going to talk and <laughs> give your 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 top NCAA. I'm looking at the rundown now. You're going to give the top yeah. NCAA I'll give, teams I'll give you some and picks. men's basketball. I'll and give you some no value. one's going to care, including me. I'm not going to care. I'm just going to listen to you because I'm watching Caitlin uh, Clark and Angel Reese and everybody that has been great in women's college basketball this season. And it's uh, it's been a big year for that. And um, I can't wait to see what she does in the tournament because she has the it factor. Um, and she has just honestly, she has a lot of the uh, the cosigns from the OG. Sue Bird loves her. Um, mm-hmm. Candace Bar- uh, Parker loves her. Uh, everybody within this lo- loves her. It's similar to when um, Sabrina kind of took the world by storm a few years back um, in the 2019-20 season. But you're starting to see that at another level with Caitlin Clark. Um, and, you know, she gets to you know go compete for another national title. So it's going to be uh, it's going to be really fun to watch. She understands the stage and she has the presence for the moment. I mean, she was eight points away from the record. And then she opens up that game against Michigan with eight straight points, including a logo three to break the record. And now she's nipping on the hills of Pistol Pete. And whenever you're in the conversation with Pistol Pete in college basketball, you're talking about a superstar, a a supreme star. And it did feel like last year um, we were a little house divided, you know, as a nation when it comes to, you know, are we LSU Angel Reese side? Are we on Caitlin Clark's side? Are we pulling for South Carolina? Right. Like everybody was kind of pulled in different directions it does feel like the women's game in general everybody's rowing in the same direction this year I mean you even see Dawn Staley yeah. when Caitlin broke the record they told her that she had 23 points in the first quarter and she's just like dang on like what 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 is what is up with that girl like she's insane like it, it is nice to feel it feels like in women's college basketball like everybody's pulling for each other can you feel that as you watch the game because it, it does feel like that's the yeah. general kind of ethos this year well, it's it's fun to watch this in women's basketball in general because you do have that attitude because because they are building a game and building a league, right? They are mm-hmm. building a movement, um, and it, it's been really really nice to see. And also, the future is really bright too. Like we don't know if Caitlin's coming coming back next year. We also have um, Juju Watkins out of USC, right. who's balling. Um, we have we have a lot of uh, Cam Brinks out of Stanford who's doing really well as well. Um, you see this game that is growing and growing right now, and similar to the NBA, uh, you're seeing the the old uh, the old guard kind of get pushed out, right? Candace Parker, she's probably we don't know how many more years she has left, but you're starting to see this new influx of talent with the Asia Wilsons, um, with the uh, you know just just the, the continual growth of the game has been great with the Sabrina Unescu's, who's becoming a star in her own right, and her star is only going to build in a market like New York. 
it's going to be fun to see, you know, this next stage of women's basketball and uh, Caitlin be hopefully be the face of it. Yeah, and if she's the number one pick this year, as most people suspect, she would go to the Indiana Fever, which Indiana, you talk about a state that understands basketball and loves basketball and will embrace her. That is one state that will do it. And guess what? She'd be playing with Aaliyah Boston, who is obviously one of the greatest players we've seen in college basketball coming out of South Carolina. So to be able to pair those two together in Indiana for the game of basketball, I think that will be a great look for everybody involved. And uh, one last thing, oh, Caitlin, do we think that we get Caitlin in the three-point contest with Sabrina and with Steph like is she going to be kind of the next one to get pulled into that group man I think that Caitlin might step a little bit on Sabrina Unescu's corner altogether oh man I can't wait for those those Liberty Fever matchups right it'd be like those (laughs) Knicks uh those Knicks Pacers matchups back in the day like I can't wait for that that is going to be fun um playing in the in the Eastern Conference uh this this is gonna be fun man like we're gonna we're starting to see um, a bit more brand recognition out of the, with with the W. I think a lot of people like there were a lot of a lot of underground uh, WNBA fans like myself um, who was out here, uh, you know, bearing the flag throughout the years. But now you're starting to see it really go mainstream once again, and it's beautiful to see. Um, and I can't wait to see how this new generation actually, you know, just kind of takes it to the next level. Like I just referenced Juju Watkins. Wait till she gets into the league and she mm-hmm. starts scoring. And she potentially goes to knock, knock on wood, my sparks. And that would be great. And then we can just go on from there. Can't wait to yeah. see what we got next coming from the W. She, she's the real star at USC right now. Everybody wants to talk about Collier or Bronny or, you know, whoever it may be, DJ Rodman. Uh, there's a lot of good names on the men's side, but it's Juju Watkins who has the real star power there. Uh, quickly on the men's side, I got the odds for you, Logan. Yeah, uh, what are can- the odds? What's going on? <laughs> who cares about men's basketball? Like, what's what's well, going on in men's basketball? Please well, update us all. What What is going on, Tate? There, there is a chance that Connecticut can repeat. First time since Billy Donovan's Florida Gators did it back in 06, 07. Who's so you. Who's a good Who's a good player on UConn? I don't even know who's Tristan who are the good Newton. Players? Tristan Newton, okay. Mr. Triple Double, uh, six foot six point guard. He's someone to keep an eye on. Obviously, can, was their point guard last Caitlin year. Can he beat Caitlin Clark? I don't think so. I don't think uh, that he can beat Caitlin <laughs> Clark in a one on one game. I don't and think maybe he can. that maybe that's the matchup next year at All Star. Uh, but I think UConn it, they look like a juggernaut right now. And uh, until okay. someone can put it on them, I think that is the bet. Uh, Purdue's there plus eight hundred. We saw them lose to a sixteen seed last year, so. Uh, we, we're still waiting to see Houston plus 900, Arizona plus 1100, Tennessee plus 1300, my Tar Heels plus 2000. Um, but it is a Connecticut type season. So uh, the women's side of Connecticut, they're, they're not even the top 15 in the country right now. Um, but the men's shows side. shows you the growth of a women's game. Question you for go. you, though. Question for yeah, you. Please. Do you see value? And North Carolina for the national championship. I see, I see value. I never even watched it, but I see value there. <laughs> I see, see value. value. I see value. Okay. Uh, RJ Davis, Harrison Ingram, Armando Baycott. I like that big three. I like that RJ has kind of been the, the driving force of this group this year. Most important player on the floor is Harrison Ingram. I love his rebounding. Uh, you got two guys who can get you double doubles. And uh, Hubert Davis, a very mild-mannered guy, but when it comes down to being competitive and getting his group ready, he is the right guy for the job. So, I think Carolina. It's worth taking a swing there, uh, potentially. Then what do you also think about Kayla- the Duke Blue Devils this year? I don't even want. I don't even watch. I'm just asking. I'm just spitballing and asking questions here, about. Here, here's basketball. a name that you need to know. Jared McCain. That is the name that you need to know. Out of Notre Dame okay. High School, out here in Sherman Oaks, he's a freshman at Duke this year. Just had 35 on the road at Florida State, and uh, the the guy. He's a superstar. He's going to be a lottery pick. So Duke is going to be a force to be reckoned with, as they always are. Carolina plays at Duke to end the ACC regular season in Cameron Indoor. 
that'll probably be for the ACC regular season. So um, Carolina Duke hey, still 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 thriving despite college hey, basketball. Cal and Stanford are going to the ACC next year. I need right. to see you up in the Bay Area. I need I'll to see you there. up in the Bay Area for Stanford, North Carolina. We need to go to a game. What's up? Let's go. I'm locked in. I'm locked in. Right. Uh, you you already know that. Uh, shout out to my guy Jared Hast up there at uh, at Stanford. Hopefully he's still there next year, so I can have uh, maybe we, we can get some tickets to the game. Uh, or maybe your plug, your plug. We'll make it work. Uh, we're gonna take a quick break and we come back. We're gonna look at some of the Thursday night games and make some picks. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Through the Ringer here with Logan Murdoch. And Logan, we are going to uh, look at Thursday night's games because the NBA is back on Thursdays. And let's start with the Lakers taking on the Warriors. Warriors minus four and a half in this game. LeBron may not play in this game. Uh, we'll see what happens with his ankle. But who do you like here? Do you think the, the Warriors can handle business at home? I, I'm i going to go with the Lakers still. I okay. don't trust the Warriors. I think the, I think the, <laughs> I think the Warriors have, are just are who they are at this point. I'm going to go with the Lakers coming right out of the break. I think that they're going to they're more primed to go on a run than the Warriors. We're going to take the we'll take the uh, Lakers. And the Lakers are kind of a different team when LeBron doesn't play. I, I don't know what it is, but they kind of put on like a showcase when he's not playing. We saw that in Boston uh, a couple weeks yeah. ago. So that's something to keep an eye on. All right. We got Clippers taking on the Thunder. Thunder minus two and a half. These are some great matchups, by the way. Thunder minus two and a half in this one. Do you like the Clippers on the road? Or do you like Thunder staying pat at home? I think the, I think the Thunder staying pat at home. And you know what I'm going to take? Take? Mm. I'm going to take the over. <laughs> I like it. I like I'm it. Man. Take the over. This guy is a bad. Is that what man. you guys say? Oh my <laughs> yeah, gosh. Oh man. That, that's oh, wow. what we say. That's what they say on <laughs> FanDuel TV. Uh next one we got Jalen Brunson and the New York Knicks taking on Tyrese Maxey and the Philadelphia 76ers. Sixers minus one and a half in this one. Do we think the Knicks can go into Philadelphia and get a win? Yes, I do. And I think, I think so too. You know what? I'm I've been having trouble with this too, Tate. But you know what I'm gonna do? Huh. I think I'm gonna take the over again. <laughs> yeah, this guy loves the overs. I uh, yeah, I love it. Last game, Logan. Uh, the Phoenix Suns, Kevin Durant, Devin Booker going to take on Luka Doncic uh, and the Dallas Mavericks. Mavericks minus two at home. This is a great rivalry. This has continued to be a great rivalry. Luka and Devin Booker seem like they're on better terms these days, at least. Uh, who do you like in this game? I think I'm going to take the Mavericks. Mm. And, you know, I really considered this. You know, I really considered um, taking this right now. I really take, consider taking the under on this Ooh. matchup but you know what i'm feeling frisky so <laughs> i'm gonna take the over let's take the matchup. over well we let's just saw two, we, we saw 200 points in the all-star game let's uh, why let, not yeah let, let's bet on the over let's bet on these guys making some shots uh logan where can we find all your work here at the ringer and then we'll let you go enjoy your tuesday you can find me on x or whatever you call it right now at <laughs> logan m murdoch you can find me on instagram at logan m murdoch um, you can find me at TheRinger.com. Also, I do a podcast twice a week called Real Ones, which you can Listen check to it. Mondays and Thursdays. Mondays are with Howard Beck. We call it MF and Mondays. You connect the dots. All right? Oh, Come great. check us out. Come tap in with the gang. We hear the most dangerous podcast. Let's get it. I love it. I love it. Go listen to the podcast. Great show. Love when Beck's on the show. You guys are great. And uh, appreciate everybody out there for watching Through the Ringer. We will see you next week and I hope everybody can enjoy their wellness week. We'll see you next week.
This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. 